G'day everyone, this is Tractor and welcome to the Gelboard Podcast. So for today's episode, it's just going to be a very quick off-the-cuff one. And it was speared on by my ability to actually play a game for the first time in quite a while, a few nights ago. And what I found during that game was the frustration I'd forgotten when you hit another player or you're really convinced that you've hit another player and that player doesn't call the hit. So, there's lots of feelings and emotions involved there and let's go through a few of those. So the first emotion I wanted to touch on is anger. Um, Obviously it comes from frustration but it's also something that you can bring to the field with you. I know it's great at the end of the week to get a blaster in your hand and go and shoot a bunch of people and, and get some adrenaline and dopamine flowing. But if you come to a field or a venue or an indoor or a speedball tournament and you come with a glass that's already half full of anger, a little bit of frustration fills that glass up a little bit and and it only takes a little bit to make that glass overflow. So some people might want to consider their state of mind when they arrive at a field. I was talking to somebody today that used to work in the security industry and um, he said that he used to be able to see the look and um, the way a person carried themselves that was angry and he would speak to that person before they came into a venue and say, hey, you look like you've had a rough week, mate. Why don't you come in and relax? And I think that's the best way to, to tackle this is not focus on the, the anger so much or the the frustration that you brought from the week, but go, hey, I'm here now, this is my downtime, this is my safe place, this is where I'm going to get some relaxation, this is where I'm going to get what I want. So try and leave the anger at home. Um, I know it's hard to do, it's, it's hard for me to do, and I'm supposed to be somebody that's really doing all the right things all the time as somebody that's a role model to some in the sport. So, yeah, that that was hard for me. The next emotion I want to touch on is aggression. Obviously, with military and paramilitary training, you're taught to do things in a more aggressive and instantaneous way, a more spontaneous reaction to things than a thought-out and a very considered response to a situation. So, if I remember back a million years ago when I was teaching recruits at Kapuka, one of the things that we used to teach was fighting with a bayonet. Now, there is no passive way to stick a knife on the short end of a rifle and then poke it into another human being. You have to do that in an aggressive way. And people think about combat and relate that to gel ball. Well, that's all well and good, but we play something that simulates combat. It's not combat. And the best evidence I've got of that is seeing soldiers, sailors and airmen with post-traumatic stress able to play the game and not have adverse mental health reactions because they can see that it's nowhere near the reality of combat. So what we need to do is take a step back and think about how aggressively we play the game. Playing to win, trying to do your best, all that's great. But aggression, I don't see aggression has a place in most 
of our standard player games. Maybe if you have a special event where you get yourself all hyped up and you do a hacker before it or any of that sort of stuff, yeah, crack on. But um, even in the military, we were taught about controlled aggression. So it wasn't you let it go when you get home when you're with your family. Very few soldiers go home and take aggression there because that's not what it's about. Sure, you might have other things that spill over into your private life, but you, you don't go walking around on eggshells and ready to react when you're still in the military per se. So with that in mind, I'd like to ask us people that sit at desks now or, or do whatever it is we do for our day job to to leave that day job behind, leave the frustrations and limitations of your week behind when you rock up the job ball field, take your time, get your psyche right before you get there. And when you're playing, by all means, put the effort in and play to win, but you can do it without being aggressive. You can talk to players without yelling at them. Um, because at the end of the day, everyone's there for the same thing. We, we're adults playing with kids' toys. So we just need to take a moment and think about where our headspace is. And the way we talk to any other player on the field is how we would like to be spoken to. I know it's probably got religious stuff and all that, but the whole concept of do unto others as you would like done unto you, I think it's a really good mantra for anyone that plays gel ball. So the next thing I want to talk about is the game aspect. The win or lose or get defeated or get destroyed or withdraw or advance, attack and defeat. They're all great words with very black and white connotations. But, and I say it in some of the briefings that I do, is that we're not here for sheep stations. I, I know some teams are sponsored and, and get a little bit of money towards their blasters or they get a nice shirt or that sort of stuff. But... No one in Australia is earning 50 or 60 or plus thousands of dollars a year to professionally play gel ball. So we need to keep the, the idea in mind that this is a fun hobby. This is not where you're going to win a thousand dollars because of the performance that you have and, and keep that game set in the back of your mind. I'm sure it's nice to have games like Capture the Flag where you've got something very tangible that you can grab and take to your spawn point and yep that definitely you won there's no ifs or buts or adding up complex point systems or whatever else like that that's a defined win scenario but you've got to take it as what it really is it, it's a game like I said before and I'll say again we're adults playing with toys that are really designed for children and if you talk to the airsoft companies that build stuff in China and Taiwan and so on and so forth, if you talk to them about gel blasters, they have trouble understanding the concept that some people will spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on those because in China they're not designed for adults as much as they are used for adults here in Australia. So let's keep that inner kid alive and have a bit of fun out there. Now I want to turn everything on its head and not look at the player that's being aggressive, but the player that's not calling that hit. So there's lots of assumptions we make that they're being lazy or uh, they don't want to lose or, or whatever else. Let, let's try and think about 
what other reasons would a player not have for calling the hits? And there's some obvious tangible ones that a lot of people will say straight up at their first couple of games. Um, and they'll t- say, oh, those Milsim guys, the guys with all the vests and helmets, they just can't feel the hits. Um, we're in a scenario where sound's a major factor of feeling a hit. You, you're going to hear it hit you. You're going to hear a definite sound of a gel ball striking the wall or the barricade or the door beside you. So players certainly can hear hits even if they're not feeling them. So I was trying to put myself in that mindset the other night when I was shooting at somebody and they weren't calling the hits. And in the very next game, I got hit maybe 15 seconds after a spawn and we were playing a wave respawn game. So I had to wait um, three and a half odd minutes by the time I got back to the spawn point. And that felt like a friggin' eternity to me. And it really gave me the ability to think about, well, the reason I'm not going to call my hits is because I'm going to miss out because I'm not going to get to play. It's it's not necessarily um, I'm going to win or I'm going to dominate or stuff that I'm going to cheat. It's the I'm going to get denied a bit of fun. So I'm, I'm certainly going to have a talk to some of the referees I know about ways that we can make the spawning process a bit more fluid or a bit quicker, um, still have it as something that, like, you get shot, you're out of the game, but but mix it up a bit and have different games that have different ways to spawn. Um, I'm a big fan of using medic rules so that you can be brought back to life by your teammates, but we could also have that same frustration when you've got your hand in the air yelling at medic for three or four minutes, and that, that's going to feel like an eternity. And certainly if you look at any of the mill sims, most of those have what they call a bleed-out countdown, that if you're calling for a medic for a certain period of time and the medic doesn't attend to you, your life is over and you have to go back to a deeper level of spawn. So I'd love to hear your feedback on why you think that people don't call their hits. And there's probably a thousand reasons that I haven't even got close to there. So bang me an email. It's tractor at milsemeast.com. And tell me why you think that people don't call their hits. Um, What I'll try and do is I'll try and record a little addendum episode or do something where you can see where people have written in and told us about that. And, um, yeah, we'll we'll see where we go from there. That's pretty much everything that I'm uh, very inspired to talk about at the moment. I have had one guy send me an email and he wants to he wants me to talk about how people do food in a milsim scenario um, and how people do sleep and I think it's it's really poignant to talk about that because that's one aspect that is very different from milsim to speedball or to just a normal weekend game is that you do not have to think about what you're going to sleep in or what equipment you're going to need or blah 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 you're going to at four o'clock or five o'clock or whatever time the game finishes you're just going to go home and have a shower and maybe have a coffee or a beer or whatever um, and duck back into your normal life you you can rest and relax and whatever else but in a milsim context you're never going to have access to that level of rest and relaxation um, unless you're playing what I call mill soft where you are going to have a dedicated period where 
there's a spot you can go and the game isn't in play there. So, yeah, let's talk about that in the next one. Feel free to send me an email, again, tractor at milsimeast.com, and tell me what you want to hear in the Gel Ball podcast. I'm just going to give a quiet little plug here to Eastern Predator again. It's coming. So, about half the team that are uh, some of the key players, so to speak, they're called the command team. Um, so, there's about five guys on the command team, and a couple of them have been to a site that I've been to and I'm very excited about. Just waiting on the others uh, getting up there, having a look around, giving me some feedback on exactly how we might or might not use that site. Uh, we looked at another one about a month ago, um, and it's just, there's just so much red tape using anything that's even remotely close to the city. So I, I've got my heart set on this new place. I don't know if everyone else will. So I'm going to go up there and have another look at it, maybe get a bit of drone footage because um, I think there's some really good possibilities in the future for EP. So keep your ears peeled if you don't know what EP is. I'm talking about Operation Eastern Predator, which is a massive multi-day milsim that will happen sometime in 2020. Obviously I can't give you dates or anything until we've done a recon and a little bit of planning then I'll be able to tell you exactly what's happening. But, uh, yeah, start hitting your buddies up. Start planning your teams. You're going to need 8 to 12 people. You're going to need to be wearing all the same camouflage uniform. And you're going to need to have a very similar loadout. If you need to find out any more about Eastern Predator, there's a Facebook page for it. And you should be able to go to the millsemeast.com website very soon and get a copy of the rules because they've been revised since the last Eastern Predator and we're just doing a bit of play testing and we're going to lock those down after a lot of feedback from the 93 people that played the last game. Alright, I've waffled on enough. We're getting near that 15 minute mark that I don't like to go past. So I hope you enjoyed your drive to work or wherever else you listen to my podcasts and please, please, please tell me what you want to hear because... I don't think I'm that interesting when it comes to talking for long periods by myself. I um, would love to have some people on the show as well. So if uh, you're part of the industry and you want to talk to me and talk to the public, um, again, hit me an email, tractor at milsomeast.com. I'm sure everyone's worked out that's the email by now. Anyway, I'll let you go. Shout out to all the guys that uh, are subscribed to it. And here's a special word. Shout out to Jordan. He's a guy in the background that's um, done a lot to help me out in the past. Cheers, guys. This has been the Jewel Ball Podcast, and I have been your host, Tractor. Thanks for listening, and tune again for our next episode.